It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. I'm Tom Sumner, and we got a good one in store today. Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with uh, Talia Fox from uh, Kusai Global, Inc., a global transformation leadership development firm. She's going to talk about the uh, pending legislation in Virginia, which would make Virginia the first state to declare racism a public health crisis. Pretty interesting conversation. Like I say, that's coming up in the third hour of the show. In the second hour, we talk to author Wendell White about his... uh, life experiences and uh, some of the tough times that he's rebounded from as uh, explained in his book the devil thought he had me but first since this is the first week of spring it seems appropriate that we talk about kindness Um, and we have a kindness expert joining us uh, by phone with a new book called in defense of kindness why it matters how it changes our lives and how it can save the world by bruce reyes Chow, who joins me by phone. Hey, Bruce, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, let's talk about kindness. Um, kind isn't, kindness isn't necessarily just being nice or being polite. 
Yeah, correct. I talked about this at the very beginning because I think that's the mistake a lot of people make is they can conflate kindness with just, you know, not rocking the boat, avoiding conflict, just being nice. And I think kindness is a much deeper, more powerful impact on the world than just than just being nice. You know, uh, President George H.W. Uh, Bush, <laughs> in a very famous quote, talked about uh, looking for a kinder, gentler America. Um, are, are we getting there, or <laughs> did things used to be kinder back in his day and before? You know, it's an interesting time when you reflect now uh, and you think about I was a young adult during those times, and, and just... Uh, just the difference in tone and politics and everything is so different from now and before. I, you know, I don't know if we were more kind or less kind, but we were certainly different in our politics and in the way we engaged one, with one another. And I think there is an element that might have been a little more kind in some areas, because the way I define kindness is that uh, we actually acknowledge that the other person is is a complex and created person, and then we actually treat them as if that matters. And I think one of the things that's happened today is that we so quickly one-dimensionalize each other and even ourselves that we, in, in many ways, strip away human dignity um, from one another. And then we, we lose this ability to, to see each other as human beings because we've, I think we've decided that if we do that, then we have to agree all the time or we give people a pass. And, and the, my book really talks about the idea that that just seeing somebody as a complex human being doesn't mean that everything is okay or that you let them do anything. You, you let you stay in an abusive relationship or you let yourself be taken advantage of, uh, but that actually it, it, it makes uh, how we interact uh, much deeper and more meaningful. So I, you know, I think um, our engagement uh, platforms are different than they were back then. Uh, and there's some other things, uh, but I think we certainly, have, have lost the importance of kindness uh, today. Well, I, I didn't want to turn it about politics <laughs> right off the bat, Bruce, but, sure. but what happens is some of the better-known quotes come from elected leaders, presidents, uh, mm -hmm. Ronald Reagan's shiny city on the hill, and, and George H.W. Yeah. Uh, Bush had... Uh, it had a bunch of them, and we won't even get into no new taxes. But um, you know, but but he talked about a thousand points of light, a kinder, mm -hmm. gentler America. And now it seems that if somebody disagrees with me, whether it's on Capitol Hill or on Facebook, they're a moron. <laughs> that, that's well, yeah, if they disagree with me, of course they are. No, um, yeah, but I think I, I think part of it is that we that's the kind of thing that I think we need to get away from because uh, it's it's one thing to disagree with somebody. It's another one to, again, strip away human dignity. And I think from, you know, the, there are more sides than left and right these days, but just from left and right. And sometimes we engage in what I kind of think about. We, we, we dive into this deep well of hatred and kind of online trolling. And in some ways it feels better, but it doesn't move us anywhere. And again, I want to be very clear that this isn't about letting people off the hook. I mean, let's say, Tom, you say something and I disagree with you. I can disagree with you vehemently without denigrating your humanity. And that's, that's the skill and the hard work that I think we've, we've decided for many of us that it's just not worth it anymore. But when in fact, I think that's a discipline that we really have to grab onto again. Otherwise we're not going to move anywhere together as a body politic. We're just going to continue being these back and forth spats 
both online and in person. And that, that, that again, isn't going to get us anywhere as a, as a country or a community. Well, let, let's talk about that because you mentioned online and, uh, and I refer to it parenthetically when I mentioned Facebook. Um, is the fact that we spend, and, and I don't want to make this about COVID-19 and the pandemic, sure. but it's hard not to bring that into sure, the conversation. Yeah. But, but even before uh, the pandemic, and I think, you know, as we move out of it in the, in the months to come, uh, hopefully, the, um, most people spend a great deal of time online where it can feel somewhat anonymous. I go back to a time when people met face-to-face to to Mm -hmm. talk about things. And there were certain niceties and courtesies that you extended people when you were in their company, whether you agreed with them or not. Does being online create a layer of almost anonymity that that makes us drop manners yeah i mean i think there's gosh there's a lot in that question so i would say um you know i think 95 percent of my interaction online is positive and i'm i'm pretty engaged on twitter and instagram and facebook and all and those as main platforms and so part of what i what i encourage folks is to is to see that there is so much benefit from our online interaction. I've been involved with online communities, both in a faith community as well as other things for so long. But I think that's one thing is that um, we we often um, uh, lean towards the negative around online interaction. I think there's a huge amount of positivity that happens there. The second thing I would say is that I think these thoughts have always been out there. Online communication has just given us a platform where we can now share it in a much broader, more anonymous um, haphazard way. And we need to now develop the skill to not, uh, the way I say it is, uh, you know, every invitation to an online war or battle, I don't actually have to accept. And so part of it is our, also our inability to discern and decide when we engage or don't. I get hit on, I'm sure you do too. I mean, I get hit online all the time and I have to decide, is this a person that's really interested in engaging in interaction or is this a person to just coming into my thread and dropping kind of stuff to mess things up. And I actually go back into somebody's thread and will look and see, oh, this person actually is interacting. And that's where that engagement comes in versus somebody who's just coming in. And it's almost like I have a peek into their living room table when they think no one's watching and they're just <laughs> I know. dropping all this stuff, right? Right. Yeah. And that it's now we just get to see that. So I don't actually take debate every time. I'm just like, okay, this is person's venting. That's like, now if it's, violent or dangerous or you know those kind that's different but if it's somebody is spouting off things that i think are inappropriate and hateful you know i i can't fight every battle online that's the other piece is i think we grew up thinking if you're silent you're you're affirming and i'm like well sometimes that is true but on an online world i can't respond to everything and last just quick with us part about your question is the manners and the kind of the the ways we interact I actually think that we have to reframe even that in the, the, the traditional ways in which we treat each other and the manners that we were taught by our parents. I think we have to think about those as non-transactional. So, you know, and I, you know, I was always taught, say please and thank you. Well, I do that not because I want the response. I don't say thank you because I expect you to say you're welcome. 
I say thank you because I'm, I am, I am actually grateful. And I think that is also another thing that we have to shift how we see acts of kindness in the world is non-transactional because I think that's a, it's a very kind of, you know, uh, American, like if I do this, then you do this for me. Whereas I think kindness is like, no, I'm actually thanking you because I'm actually genuinely grateful for you. And whether you say you're welcome or not actually doesn't matter to me. I have expressed to you that I'm grateful for whatever you just did. So I think it's also flipping uh, just this idea of what it means to be polite with one another. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm just curious. When I was a kid, I was taught the golden rule, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. <laughs> And, you know, while we might wrestle with that sometimes, <laughs> because sure. people can be frustrating, um, but you carry well, that around with you. And what, I, what I'm wondering is, how did we not, or how did some people not get that message or carry that message with them to the online world? Yeah, well, you know, I think that, that there is, I, I think when you brought up the anonymity thing, I think there is this, it's, it's easier to sit your keyboard and just throw stuff out. And, and we as a society, I think in many ways just can't let things go. And so it just escalates so quickly. And we, we see everything as a personal attack and, and we, we, we center ourselves in every conversation. And I think sometimes we have to learn how to, to step away from that because I, you know, there's a whole phrase out there. It's called don't feed the trolls. Right. I mean, I think there is some truth to that as well. Sure. When I have somebody come in and start putting stuff into my Twitter thread, like I, that person's not really interested in interacting. And just because somebody asks me a question, no matter how, what the tone is, like they're not entitled to my time. If my mother asked me a question on Twitter, yes, she's entitled to my time. Some stranger from wherever comes onto my thing and wants to challenge something I may decide to give them some of my energy and time, or I may not. And I think we've lost the ability to, to step away from interactions that aren't kind to ourselves, which is another, it's another chapter in the book is actually when I talk about sometimes the kindest thing we do is to step away. And so I think, and that, and that's a kindness to ourselves. So I think it's a two way street in that folks have lost the ability to just, you know, not to hold themselves back and have to comment on everything. And the same way, we can't, when we're receiving those, we can't always step away and, and not react. Hey, Bruce, I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so I, we can talk? I some can, more? yeah. Excellent. Sure. And uh, before we go to break uh, and let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or, or uh, whatever they do when we go to break, plus if you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. I'm going to share Bruce with a little um prank i do sometimes most of my posts on facebook uh -oh. are, are pretty innocuous I, you know they're show promos and that kind of stuff um but every once in a while i will repost something that's extremely controversial and just make <laughs> and just make a completely irrelevant comment like hmm and 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 just watch <laughs> the trolls uh -huh. go at it. <laughs> they have their. They have their so whole. You're, you're you're chumming for trolls is basically what's going on. That's exactly right. I just <laughs> and I let them and I let them fight it out and call each other names and all that stuff. Anyway, we'll be right back with Bruce Chow after this. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with uh, Pastor. Um, let's see, where 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 did that where was it in my notes here? Pastor leadership. <laughs> what does he do? <laughs> Pastor leadership coach and kindness enthusiast Bruce Reyes Chow. His book is uh, In Defense of Kindness: Why It Matters, How It Changes Our Lives, and How It Can Save the World. And we're we're going to get into it some more with uh, Bruce, who's uh, standing by on the uh, phone line here. Bruce, thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, that's okay. It's always good to hear other other things that are happening in other parts of the country. <laughs> um, Bruce, let's let's talk about this. Um, you know, we ended up sort of talking about politics just because of some uh, well known quotes, um, but I, I really want to find out what you make of the the recent attacks on Asian Americans. Yep. Um, and, and I bring that up because it seems to me it's always somebody and, and uh, it's Asian Americans again. Um, it's It's been a while since it was a lot of other people have taken their place over the last several decades but what that makes me fear is that there will always be some portion of us who are just mean-spirited bigoted and um, misbehave yeah, I, I think that there is there is truth to that. I mean, I think there's, and, and I think it depends on how we want to interact with uh, and, and engage and respond. Uh, multiple things can be true all at the same time. Multiple groups can be under attack uh, in both social, cultural, and physical ways. Um, you know, Asian Americans have, have uh, these things are not new to those of us that are part of the Asian American community. You know, I'm half Filipino, half Chinese, and... Um, uh, you know, I grew up hearing stories about both my sides of families when they immigrated here and, and both legislative and physical kinds of ways in which they were reminded that they were not welcome here. And that, you know, even as a person myself, as growing up in California and in the West Coast, that you would think that it, you wouldn't receive the kinds of things that um, uh, you you hear about. You know, those happen here. You know, the the, the number of times that uh, folks have said things to me on the streets and have, uh, in altercations have, have immediately gone to race. My own children, I have three kids, you know, even them in a generation that, um, you know, we, we claim to believe is more, uh, progressive minded in many ways. They've received the same kinds of microaggressions and things, you know, these subtle ways in which they're reminded. So I think it's always been there. Unfortunately, now with the pro- proliferation of, of, uh, you know, you know, guns and violent interaction and, and the ways in which we engage with one another. Um, this is, you know, this is what, I mean, it's just kind of, it, 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 there's these perfect storms of, of ability to just, you know, carry these kinds of things out. And I think the thing that's really interesting about this particular piece is, and, and I've been talking every, every uh, interview I've done on this book now have, we've gone to this and I think it's important for us to, is that um, 
If we look at the entire situation with a more complex view of the world and of humanity, we begin to see that this was not just about a single thing. There are so many pieces that are tied into this one interaction that I think, I hope, when I think it has in many places, it's inspired us to have conversations about this that we haven't ever had really um, uh, in, in a long time, as you said. Um, but even you know now, it's inspiring us to do this a little bit more again. I think that's a hopeful piece that comes out of this, is that we have these kind of conversations, which we wouldn't have had before. I, I snickered a little when you mentioned microaggressions. It, it, uh-huh. it made me wonder, Bruce, if people ask you to do math or work on their computers. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. One of, my, one, of my, one of my best stories is I have a kid in the school that their English teacher happened to be Asian would talk about always the kids at that school would come up and ask for calculus homework. <laughs> and, and, you know, and she's like, Sure. I, you know, I, it's not going to be right. Like, but I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I, the number of things that people have said to me about my English and about, you know, I'll, I'll go to an event and they'll immediately come up and speak any Asian language to me. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter even if it's Chinese or, or Tagalog from the Philippines. They just kind of come up and start speaking the Asian language to me. And I'm like, great. Thank you. You know, and, and there's, or, I've, you know, I, I get asked if I know uh, martial arts. You know, and I think there's this really strange, and you know, I'm always my head is always like, well, right now I wish I did, but you know, I, I, it 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 begins to weigh on you after a while, and I don't think a lot of folks who don't receive that for your entire life don't really understand that at some point it's just it's it's exhausting, and uh, anyway, do you do you look at those things as? Uh... As microaggressions, um, whether people mean it or, or do you understand the, the media behind that? Both and. So I, I think for me is um, I'm always interested in the response people have. Right? I mean, I think it's uh, and I, I take this to myself again. I read a, a whole chapter about about this in the book around when I've messed up. The important part is how I respond to being called out, right? If somebody says to me, um, oh, your English is really good. I'm like, well, I grew up here and I'm, you know, technically my English probably isn't like grammatically very good, but I'm, you know, why would you ask that? And I think the response would be, if the response is like, whoa, 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 I didn't mean anything about that, like immediately defensive. I'm like, you're not hearing me. When you say that to me, what you're doing is you're, you're assuming something about me. And the best response is like, ah, oh, I totally did that. And I've done that to my female colleagues where I've said something. I'm like, oh, why did I say that? I would have never said that to a male colleague. Or I say something to another group. And I think how we respond is so important because I think that's, that's the interaction that often escalates things so quickly. If we don't respond to the possibility that maybe I said something that only perpetuated stereotypes and perpetuated some kind of relationship that, that isn't healthy or right. And, and I think that's the key for many of us is that if I'm called out, I need to know how to respond in a way that is healthier than an immediate, I could not possibly be wrong, don't call me a racist, da, 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 da. Like, when I'm just saying, hey, you just said something and here's where the assumptions behind that. Like, let's talk about that. Right. Uh, and we've lost that ability to do that. 
yeah, that's I, I guess that's kind of what I was hoping we'd we'd get into a little bit, and and mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, it's it's uh, in the book. How do we how do we accept differences in a way that we can interact without fear of committing microaggressions? And, and maybe find a place where we can sort of celebrate differences. Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is we have to, you know, like take ourselves out of the, uh, out of the center of that, of that conversation, right? So if, I'm, if all I'm doing when I interact with somebody is worried about how I'm going to offend them, it's all, I'm making the relationship all about me. I mean, I'm, I'm basically saying I don't want to uh, do something right now. I think it feels like we're making it about that other person. But I think in many ways we have to kind of say, I, I'm interested in interacting with this person and we need to now develop a relationship. And if I, if I walk into that conversation always afraid of making a mistake, then I'm just setting myself up in many ways to have this kind of wall. Yes, yeah, so, Bruce, that's my concern that's right. is mm-hmm. that, um, you know, this this idea of of being sensitive to people gets complicated for some people and i i fear that it drives people apart in other words um i see you um you know you appear to be asian american which of course Mm -hmm. is chinese and Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know everybody's chinese (laughs) if they're asian americans um and I want to be sensitive, I want to be politically correct, but I become so afraid that I am going to make a mistake or offend you in some way that it's better to ignore you. And and, and the same is, is true about gender and, uh, um, you know, African Americans and, and uh, you know, other groups. It... You know, you understand what I'm getting at is yeah. How yeah. do, how do and, we? And I think how do we? I think we have deal with almost that fear. every every chapter. I end with this is a choice. Like we we have to wake up every morning and decide we're going to treat each other and engage with each, with each other differently. I, you know, I think if if kind I use a I use the quote from if you remember the old movie um, League of Their Own, right, where the the manager talks about, you know, baseball, baseball <laughs> is hard, right? And if that's the beauty of it, if, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. I actually think the same thing about kindness. I think if, if everybody could see each other with a lens of complexity, we would all be doing that and we would be in a much better place. But it's more work. It's more work. It's a discipline. It's getting up every day and deciding I am going to step into the world with a different lens on and I'm, I'm going to do that and risk what that may mean. But the, the reward on the other side of it, I know is good and better than where we are now. And I think that's the part that I think we've just, we've just lost the ability to make that choice. We would rather avoid conflict, protect ourselves, not risk the, the relationships that we might have that, that could just be blossomed. I mean, I, you know, I think that's the piece that I, I want to encourage people not out of, guilt or shame or uh, obligation, but out of the possibility that by having interactions and have more depth, we actually can have social movement and 
political discourse and goodness in the world being that much more evident, uh, uh, you know, and, and that better of a tomorrow to not be too cheesy, but you know, tomorrow could be better than today if we just commit to interacting a little bit differently. Yeah. I, I, I see to me, it always seems like an opportunity to learn, not just about perhaps another culture, um, you know, different politics, different religions, um, but about the person themselves. And I don't know why we can't all do that more. And I, I could certainly be better at it. I'm making it sound like I've got this all. Sure, sure. <laughs> all, all I've really got down for sure is that I like a lot of different kinds of food. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we seem to be okay with that. Yeah. Usually, <laughs> I think it's the best. Again, you know, we we don't we don't want people from Mexico coming across the border <laughs> unless they're bringing the tacos. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I think that that's part of. But even I would say that even how we engage in uh, you know conversations, in depth conversations about food. Uh, could provide so much interesting conversation because I, I will say there's a there's a for me like I'm I'm not bumping into the person on the side of the street and changing their mind about politics and culture and immigration right now if we have an interaction because you stepped into a space in which we both exist or you happen to know a friend of a friend and you have a question about something I've said or you know like those are the kind of interactions that I think give us these moments of possibility and opportunity. And I think those are the kinds, again, we have to decide each day, are we going to engage differently? Like I have to wake up at six in the morning here on the West Coast, decide if I'm going to call into this show. And am I going to be open to, I have no idea about you. I did a little research online, you know, and, and am I going to be open to the possibility that we're going to have an open, interesting conversation? Or am I going to decide because you're from Flint, Michigan, here's all the things that I'm going to think about you. And I think how I come into that conversation, how you approach me, says a world about our choices about how we treat one another. And I think that's, we just need to do that when it's not a talk show, every, every day when we interact with someone. Um, aside from your book and this uh -huh. conversation we're having, how do, how do, people, how do people do that? How do, how do people... Um, embrace treating people differently than they have or should they treat them differently maybe that's maybe that maybe <laughs> i'm saying that wrong yeah well i think there's a couple of things right the 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 golden rule some of us now talk about the platinum rule in that um, treat others as they would choose to be <laughs> as they would choose to be treated is right? that so inflation that we, bruce <laughs> 20 years ago, it was like an aluminum rule and uh, we could all just recycle it. Um, you know, I think, no, but I mean, I think that, that there is now a lens in which like, I have to, um, you know, I'm raising, raising kids and one, the last one is still here and about to, about to leave for school. And, um, you know, what I've learned is I can't decide you know, how my kids are going to be. I, I wish, you know, all of us, if you've ever, if you're, you've raised kids, you're near them or anything, you, you want them to be the way you want them to be. Well, what I've learned is they, they have agency and they will tell us how they want to be treated. Now there's always debates about that, but there's simple things like I have a kid that does not like 
to be hugged. And that, you know, I, I'm a huggy, I'm a huggy person. I could decide, well, I'm going to hug you because I want to be hugged or I'm going to not hug you because you've expressed to us that it's not comfortable for you. And you would like not that not to just be an assumed interaction. And I think I have to make the choice that I'm going to listen and engage with another person when it's somebody as close to me as that. I'm making that choice every day to not force somebody into an interaction that isn't good for our relationship or for their own personhood. And that's not a difficult choice for me to make when it comes right down to it. And so I think we have to decide, do we care enough about the people around us and our country and our community and our society to treat people differently in a way that's more healing for, for them and not just about our own need to be right or to get into a particular interaction or fight or whatever it may be. And I think that's, that's we've lost that in so many ways in our culture. Now, you kind of touched on this a, a little bit, Bruce, but how do we how do people move forward, especially people who experience um, microaggressions uh, that are are aimed in the yeah. their direction without um, I don't know dressing down the person who who maybe has made a comment very innocently? Yeah, I mean, I think there's people at every every level and every interaction and uh, every, you know, no one interaction is just about that one interaction. So if somebody says something to me, um, you know, there's a whole catalog of filters that I'm going through. It's like, well, is this happening again? Uh, is this, oh, is this just totally an innocent piece? Do I have the time and energy? I mean, there's all kinds of things that go into my own discernment about whether I and how I interact. Uh, you know, I think the thing that I would say is if you're the one that has kind of stepped into it, um, you know, I, again, I talk about this, that the kind thing to do is to try to understand why that person might have interacted or reacted in the way that, that you did. If this is the 500th time that they've been reminded or asked about their English, you just happen to be the 501st. Right. It's not just about you. It's about trying to imagine if this is happening all the time. Yeah, I'd be angry, too. And I don't want to. I, and I'm certainly not looking to be the target of that. But when somebody does something that seems out of character or over over the top, I actually step back and think, how might they have gotten to this place? When I think about protests that happen in our country, sometimes, you know, I think about uh, what gets to the point where folks feel like their only outlet is going to the streets and a perspective around the, you know, the old adage of putting yourselves in, in another person's shoes, right? That, how do you, I think that's a kindness when you're confronted with conflict that's directed your way. And that's hard to do because we want to center ourselves and be like, and defensive. And we want to have that person, see us differently when that just may not be possible. I think sometimes I just have to know that, yeah, I messed up. It's going to take a while for me to repair this. If I even choose, I want to, um, and nothing I can do is going to make that person change their mind about me. And that sometimes that's okay. And that's just the way it's going to be. And I need to step away from my own kindness and for theirs. And, so I think there's no easy answer. And, and we get back again to this idea that kindness isn't just about being nice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
exactly. And it's not about avoiding conflict. I think that that's another thing that people think, uh, you know, just, you know, just because I think you say, if you say be kind, then you immediately go just be nice. And then the other thing is, well, just don't rock the boat and then just avoid conflict. And then all of a sudden we're stuck in our rooms, never interacting with any human being for fear of whatever. And so I think that some of it is, it's, it's a risk to step into relationships that, uh, we no longer, uh, I think, value um, as much as a society. And that's where I think we've, it, going back to your original question way back about have things changed, I think that's a piece where we change. We don't, we don't value these uh, interactions of depth and texture that we used to um, or that seemed like we did. Um, and, and I think we need to get back to that. Is, is there a way that that people who suffer from microaggressions can get a little thicker skinned and react in a way that is informative again i think that, that it puts the onus on because on, i don't think the 501st person knows they're the 501st person. no no but but I, I i think you're right but um if it's you know let's say it's somebody at work and they interact in a way that seems out of character, right? I'm I'm going to be like my first like I I'm I'm wondering what's going on. Like I'm, I I really believe that kind that one of the things that we have to understand about each other, and this is across aisles, across political spectrum, is that each again this idea that I believe you're a complex human being, and then I'm going to treat you as if I actually believe that when somebody reacts to me. I, I'm I'm wondering what pain they're holding. Like, what else is going on that that created that lash out? And so, like, because I don't want to make it about me. Like, I if somebody comes, if I say something really stupid, and I just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that, and they react to me. One, I have to think about did I did I did I deserve it? Is and is it at the level? Is it reciprocal at the right level that that I get kind of called on that? And then if it's not, if it feels like so much more, I'm like, okay, something else is going on here. And I'm not making it about me. I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what that's about. Now, if, it's, if it escalates so quickly that it becomes uh, uh, unhealthy, then I got to step away. I gotta, I'm just going to step away for the both of us. So I'm not sure it's that like, I need to develop a thicker skin. At the same time, I, I've learned over the years how to deal with this differently, but as my kids experience it, they're having to figure out what they're comfortable in dealing with it. Like I don't tell them it's your job to, to, to teach everybody about what it means to not be, and to not say things that are, uh, uh, that have, have racist overtones to them. That's not your job as a person growing up as a person of color in the United States. But I could decide if I want to interact with a person and, and, and and help them not make that decision again. So I think it's it's more nuanced than I just can't, I just shouldn't react. I think it's, there's a lot of lenses that go into this. Again, it makes it harder. I mean, it's just, it's just harder. Bruce, we've got to end it there, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Uh, do you have a website? I do. It's Reyes-Chow.com. And I'm most interactive, though, online. So it's at B Reyes Chow on all the platforms. And, and I really do. I interact with people throughout, uh, uh, the, throughout the days and weeks. And I, I actually really appreciate 
uh, online interactions. As I said before, most of it is super positive and uh, only benefits my view and expansiveness of the world, and I hope that I provide that for some others. Well, Bruce Reyes Chow, author of In Defense of Kindness, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Take care. We're going to take a short break. We'll Hi, be right back. Hi, this is Joe Biden from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. 
We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Oh, great lovers of the world, lend me thy ears. Where has love wrought? Love has wrought beauty. Love is the world. The world is love. And the great lovers of the world have made the earth a very precious, beautiful, and lovely place. Where is the love? Tell me. It's, it's there. It's there. Oh, where is the love? It's there. Where is the love? Do you know where the love is? It's there, Tom. It's all around you. Love is everywhere. Love is ever-changing, ever-growing, ever-moving. Love is passionate. It is flowing. It is sweet. It is wonderful. Love is compassion. Love is... Love is God. This is a song of two lovers. Right. Not world-famous lovers. Not a Romeo and Juliet. No. Not that type of a love. But two people whose love was an unrequited love. Unrequited love. <laughs> very beautiful love. A love that very few people ever hear of. It's a story of Herman and Sally. <laughs> You've heard of them, huh? Herman was a lobster. And Sally was a crab. <laughs> Never work out that way, will it? <laughs> Herman met Sally on the beach one night. The sea was calm and the starfish were bright. He looked at her and she looked at him, and it was true love at first sight. Now Herman told his folks about the girl he found, and they said, Herman. There must be other girls around. <laughs> Cause crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take her for your mate Everybody sing now! Crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take her for your mate Where is love? Yeah. Try singing like that. <laughs> poor Herman and poor Sally Whence did their love whence wrong? Oh, the bittersweet pain of love's nectar. Yes, Herman, though he loved Sally, could not marry her, could not have her for his own. Herman was a lobster, Sally was a crab. Herman lived in a restricted neighborhood. So he had to make a decision. 
And Herman made a decision, which was sad and very hard for him to do. But then, being a lobster, Herman had no backbone. <laughs> Herman told Sally, and it broke her heart. She had loved that lobster right from the start. He took her in his closet and said, I'll always be yours. But still, we really have to part. Sally said, let's talk to your mom and your dad. I'll show them that crabs really aren't that bad. <laughs> they turned her away, what would the neighbors say? And they laughed at the funny walk she had. Two, three, four. Crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take her for your mate. Sing out, friends, now. Crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take her for your mate. Once again, gang! Oh, crab walk sideways, lobsters walk straight, and we won't let you take her for your pain. One more time now! Oh, crab walk sideways, lobsters walk straight, and we won't let you take her for your pain. One day on a sandbar, what did Herman see? But his little old Sally walking straight as can be. He said, Sally, I can take you in my family. And she said, Herman. Don't you street at me. Crabs <laughs> <laughs> walk sideways and lobsters walk straight and we won't let you take it for your man. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Of a warning voice that comes in the night. 
it's in my heat Don't you know, little fool You never can win You show mentality Come Before I begin now Hey little Alan said I got you I got you, I got you On my, my skin Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. Recent From the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. 
You pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.